Welcome to Cue the Dagger, brought to you in partnership with Inside the Rink. Inside the Rink is your one-stop shop for all NHL news, insight, and analysis. You can follow them on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink. I'll be your host, Clifton Ramey, and I'm with my co-host, Logan Rosengard. How you doing, man? Can't complain. How are you doing, Cliff? Doing good, man. After a good Hawks game up in Edmonton. Can't complain. Can't complain. Can't complain at all. And real quick, a word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for a 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. How about that four to one win in Edmonton? Talk about a talk about a statement game to open up the games after the all-star break. Yeah, dude. Finally some like good hockey to watch. Like the team played really well. They came out good for once. When's the last time Chicago had a good start? Like I forget what the stat was. When's the last time Chicago had a good start and capitalized on it? Like They've had good starts throughout the season. Like it's going out of style, but like, I'm talking specifically this season. Never. Like, never? I don't know if I'd say never. But there might be refreshing. a game or two sprinkled in there. It was refreshing to see a somewhat complete game and them actually benefit from it. Yeah, man. I think a lot of that had to do with the lines, though. Like, you had the Debrinket Doc and Hagel on. It had a lot of flow. It had some really good offensive upside. They moved the puck well. You saw Kirby Doc get on this point uh, sheet, and Debrinket had a goal. And that, that line was producing. And then you also turned it into the Kubalik Strom Kane line. And it just gave you two lines that flowed. And I think it was the first time all season that Chicago had two lines that actually could produce offensively and create something and kind of be able to rotate. I know the bottom six was okay. Um, I mean, it could still work down there, but I think this is the first time all year that the Hawks had flow offensively with two lines that were both equally generating between the two. No, it's certainly that they played with an extra pep in their step. And I don't know if it's because, it was the all-star break for both teams. And, you know, you're not always at 100, you're 100%. So it was a little weird, whatever it was. But that type of play is what we need to see night in and night out if the Blackhawks want any, any opportunity. Pardon me. Any opportunity to make the playoffs. That is how they need to play. They shut down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in their own building. Like, not to say that Dreisaitl and McDavid didn't have their flashes of brilliance and didn't, like, play the game that we all know they know how to play, which is pretty damn good hockey and some of the best in the world. One goal, that's like a huge victory. Multiple goals, only one goal against one of the most dangerous players in the league in terms of offensive scoring, like that's a big win. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled if I'm the Chicago Blackhawks management, like, look at this now, like it, there's so much good that that win does. There's so much good. Oh yeah, man. It definitely gives them a high upside and like good, 
good feelings leaving Edmonton. They got a bunch of days off here until they head over to St. Louis. We'll talk about that later. Um, I do want to bring up the Duncan Keith injury, dude. That was just so awful to watch, man. I like, couldn't watch I've, the replay. Like, I dude, had to turn away. I have, like, I mean, I'm all about showing stuff on the internet and stuff, but, like, I, everyone in the world doesn't need to post Duncan Keith getting knocked out. I It was all, I don't know, it, it could just be the nostalgia and me remembering Keith growing up, winning all the cups and being dominant, but that was just hard for me to watch. It hurt my heart watching him get hurt like that. I hope he's okay, and I hope he can get back on the ice soon. I saw that they said he was out. I think it was two to four weeks or something like that with the concussion protocol and upper body soreness. But that was just a scary injury, dude. He got rocked, Cliff. It was I I had to like I could watch it one more time because I wanted to see like how badly he got his bell rung. He was he hit his that was a big hit. And like Duncan Keith usually doesn't receive big hits. He's usually the one dishing them out. So that that knocked him on his ass literally and in every other way i hope he hope he's okay two to yeah, four it's weeks one of those, it's just scary like you one hate of those weird plays man just legs got tangled both players go into the net he just lost his balance and slipped and went into it with his back and the back crushed and then you saw the head snap and he was immediately out it was just a it's a tough look for duncan it's, keith for sure it's um, scary like that's terrifying to me watching stuff like that happen like it's uh, it's just scary. Yeah, like, you can go out there at any point in the game, and that could happen to literally anyone. And it happened yeah, to him. Like, and, and it sucks because that was his first time playing the Hawks in a different jersey too, and doesn't really even get to go out and play much in that game. Um, he ultimately only played six minutes and forty-one seconds. Had one giveaway, and that was it on the stat sheet. That's tough for the first time playing a team that you won three cups with. You won a Conn Smythe, you won two Norris trophies, and you were just absolutely dominant the whole time you were there. Um, definitely tough, but I mean, on a side note, kind of transferring back to the two lines and the flow, and more specifically. How about Dylan Strom? Dylan Strom is doing everything in his power to stay with his best friend, Alex Dabrinka, and he's going to force the block. If he continues winning faceoffs at this rate, he was 41. That was a little lower than normal, but 41, I mean, it's not great, but it's okay. And compared to what he's been doing around 50 lately, and he had another goal and assists, another two points. It's like Dylan Strom is absolutely buzzing right now, dude. Um, he's good. I'm not saying I called it. I'm not saying that his play was going to pick up after the break because I did say those things, or at least I made the sentiment that he was going to like, I'm like that. I know how these things work. He's a very good player. Like we know he is. The management knows he is that this is no different than the Dylan Strom that we got. In 2018-19, this is the exact same guy that scored 51 points in 58 games for the team. Like, he, he needed something. It, it COVID, I'm not blaming the season that he had last year on COVID because he really didn't play all that well. But I'll tell you this, he looks a lot better under, like, pretty normal season conditions than he did last year. I think he just needed the break. I, I really think he did. And look at him. 
I mean, the man has eight points in his last five games. That's pretty unreal. There's that four-point night versus the Red Wings. It's hat trick. But, yeah, Dylan Strom's doing everything in his power to stay in Chicago. And I think ultimately, in my opinion, the Hawks at bare minimum, unless they're going to get a first-round pick from, like, some team that's in the 15 to 20 range, not the later pick. And he's not. No, no, you're never going to get that for him. So you're better off. At worst, just matching him and qualifying the offer and just paying him, what is it, 3.6 or 3.4, whatever it is next year. The conversation that needs to be happening in the Blackhawks front office is whether or not they want to tank. If they don't want to tank and they think they can make the playoffs, they keep Dylan Strome because he's playing well. You don't want to give that up if you're trying to make the postseason. If you think it's out of reach, you trade him and get his assets. Like that's See, the conversation a, that needs to happen. This is this is another thing that everyone's got to think of. Everyone's like, oh, if we got a tank, if we got a tank. Dylan Strome's tank. young. Tank. You can keep Dylan Strome if this is the new Dylan Strome. If okay, it's not certain. It's a streak. It's streak. Okay, I'm not gonna say it's Dylan Strome. I'm not gonna say that he's finally panned out. I'm not gonna go there. I'm gonna say that he's continuing his hot streak and that he looks like a player that this is going to stay as the normal. But until it's a season from now and he's still continuing that play, I'm not gonna give that to him. But if he can continue this play, he's what 24, 25, something like that. He's almost 25 years old. Yep. 24 turns 25 March 7th. So that's young. Like you're talking 10 years of Dylan Strome. And this is if he's playing like this, a very good second line center. He he's good at hockey. You got to give him the tools to succeed. And right now he's using the tools that uh, the coaching staff in Chicago is giving him. I mean, he's playing 15 minutes a night. He's playing power play time. He's making meaningful impacts on the offensive game. This this is what you want out of Dylan Strom. This is the ideal scenario. If I would have told you Dylan Strom would have 20 points in 34 games going into the year. Would you have been happy with that? I would have been ecstatic. I would have told you you were crazy. Well, maybe not crazy, but this is 20 points in 34 games for any middle six centerman is amazing. That is beyond expected production. Strom hasn't gone more than two games without getting a point since December 4th. That's insane. And in that stretch, there's only one stretch where he has two games without a point. And that was from the first and the second versus Nashville and Calgary. Otherwise, he's a point almost every game from that stretch. That's unreal. His faceoff percentage is up. He's playing with effort. Let's just hope this continues. I personally hope the Hawks sign him to a multi-year deal, take advantage of the fact that he hasn't played well and that this is going to be the Dylan Strome. Maybe you get like a three to four year deal from three to four million dollars, potentially. Maybe not. Who knows what Dylan Strome wants to do? He might not want to sign that long. But I think if you can get him locked up at a discount of a deal, he has upside. He's young. He was drafted third overall for a reason. Why not? I wouldn't necessarily say he's worth four and a half million. I will say, however, locking him down for a reasonable amount of time is a pretty good thing. We we've seen the game week he can play. Like this is a 
This is the kind of centerman the Blackhawks uh. love to have. Like, look at Jonathan Taze. I'm not comparing Jonathan Taze to Dylan Strome, nor the other way around. No, no offense. I, Dylan Strome's better than Jonathan Taze. Sorry, Chicago. I mean, don't hate me. You got to give facts. Jonathan Taze the benefit of the doubt this I season. I know. I love but... Taze. I'm not. I, Taze is a big, big gap of me leeway. Like, I'm not hating on Taze in any means. I'm just saying, Strome's been better. I, and I can agree with that statement. I, but all I'm saying is that this type of play from a center is what Chicago loves. You look at centers from the team that have succeeded, that have had fan-favorite success, that have done well and produced minutes and numbers for the team. They have a similar game to Dylan Strome. They have a similar game to Jonathan Taze. They're a two-way play-driving center. Kirby Doc is supposed to be that. He's showing flashes of that, and fans give, give seem time. to love him. Given times, Chicago fans seem fans seem to love him. Obviously, Jonathan Taze. Obviously, Dylan Strome. I mean, let's talk about like same thing with wingers. Like they love those types of they love the Brandon Hagels. They love the Dylan Strome. Chicago Blackhawks fan love and management loves the, this type of Brandon Hagel is getting robbed by the Blackhawks for like the next two seasons. Absolute robbery. Don't go publicizing it. Oh, I mean, you can't do anything. What's he going to do? Ask for a new contract? He's stuck. He signed it. Too bad, Good for bud. us. Good for the team. Great for us. But um, we can go ahead and translate over there from to the special teams. How about we finally win a special teams battle in a game that was kind of a huge difference in the Edmonton game when you go ahead and you look at the stats of the game. Um, Chicago had, I believe, two power plays out of four, and Edmondson was one for four, and that was a huge difference in the game. And it's weird seeing Chicago beat the third best power play unit, and Chicago's power play unit hasn't been great, and it was good to see. I think I like the new lineup. I think I like Dylan Strom on the power play unit. Um, But, yeah, I think overall it was kind of a huge deal as far as that game went. Obviously, Flurry's game and net played a big, big part on the penalty kill as well. The special teams in Chicago the last few seasons have been in, inconsistent at best. Brutal at times. It very. This game is just in a. It, it that's what you like to see. Two power play goals is what you want. Three of four on the penalty kill for the night. That's what you want. Like seventy-five percent penalty kill and. Two power play goals a night or a power play goal a game, that's huge. If they're, I'm not saying they're going to do it, but if they're able to find a way to keep playing like that when they're on the man advantage or when they're down a man defending their own zone, everything else is going to come so much easier because then you're not worried about if this part of our game is lacking, how are we going to make it up? Keep it up. I, I like. I like the new lineup as well. I like the way that it it's formatted to fit everyone's strengths. And all, all we need is just the results. All the, all the team needs is the results. Yeah, definitely. And I just, I don't know. I just think the, the switch in the lines helps a lot and it, it gives you two more balanced lines. Um, and then obviously Chicago went on to win four, one Mark Andre Fleury, 
does what Marc-Andre Fleury does. I believe he had over 40 saves. He had 40 saves on the dot, to be exact. Um, and then Edmonton goes ahead, leaves the game. And how about this? I did not think this season we'd be able to say, Chicago Blackhawks got a coach fired. Tippett got fired after that game. Why wouldn't they fire him after that long losing streak or anything? But I could care less, not an Edmonton fan. Kind of funny as a Hawks fan. Later, Tippett. Yeah, that's tough. Tippett was kind of on his way out the door anyways. There have been rumors about his removal for weeks and weeks, but, like, kind of feels good to have one of those coach-firing games. Like, that's pretty good for for fan morale, at least. Yeah, definitely was fun for us. Sucks for Edmonton fans, but, yeah, it was just – just a little weird by Edmonton. I thought they had a better opportunity to fire him earlier. If they're going to fire him right now, it doesn't make that much sense. You could have fired him after that big losing streak. It is what it is. I don't really care as a Hawks fan. Who cares for me? The only player I care about on their team, Stumpkin Keith. Otherwise, meh. Um, but we'll go ahead and we can translate into looking ahead at the Blues on Saturday. The Hawks have actually played St. Louis extremely well this year. Um, they did lose the first matchup on October 30th in St. Louis, one to nothing. And then they beat St. Louis on that night where Kevin Lincoln stood on his head, three to two in Chicago on November 26th. Now they play on Saturday and they play in St. Louis. What's your thoughts on the game? Are the Hawks going to be able to squeeze a win? I imagine with this many days off, we're going to see Mark Andre Fleury in that again. I don't necessarily have a hunch on which way the game's going to go, but I will say I think the momentum that, they, that they're bringing from Edmonton is going to be a huge factor. I think their ability to build on success is going to be a huge key to the game. There's something about playing a rivalry game, especially in the away team's uh, ice. I, I don't know. Too early to tell. I need to see lineup notes and I know just uh, uh at least last game Josiah Slavin and uh Sam Lafferty I think factored into the lineup but we'll see I I, I think well, they'll make a good Black game Black or Blackhawks lines at practice today were Dominic Kubalik, Strom Kane again uh it was Alex Brinkett, covered out Brandon Hagel, Borgstrom, Lafferty and Connolly Kershev, Carpenter, and Entwistle. Slavin was on the outside at practice Entwistle. today. He was the other guy that I I like Mackenzie Entwistle. I like his game too. I think it's a very strong game. I think it's he's, it's he's a good a, fourth line uses, game. He uses his body really well. Like he he can he can kind of create space on the boards. He's a nice little penalty killer. Yeah. So the thing I, I think personally, as far as five on five hockey, I would like to see Ryan Carpenter come out of the lineup, but you can't take him out of the lineup because everything he does on the penalty kill. So it's just tough. I think he hurts the offensive upside of that fourth line. I think uh Kershev has been playing like ass lately. I think that he's reminds me actually of Dylan Strom, not in any playing wise, but just effort. Sometimes he finds it in streaks and sometimes he just loses it and he plays like ass and he just looks like a cone on the ice, but it is what it is with him. I think he's a young kid and I think it's just going to take time. I think there's plenty of talent. Um, I'm okay with King putting him on the fourth line. Um, I'm personally not a huge fan of Connolly being in the lineup. I think everyone knows what he is. I think he's been in that NHL long enough. Um, and then the defensive pairings were Calvin DeHaan and Seth Jones. 
Caleb Jones and Connor Murphy, Jake McCabe, Galvis, and Gustafson were rotating, according to Ben Pope. So I want to shout out Ben Pope, obviously. But um, I like the new lines. I know that you're a Gus fan, but I personally would rather see Galvis in the lineup over Gus. I would, too, after his uh, initial performance. I think it's 10 times better than any game that Gus can play. So, so I got a good question because you are a Gus fan. You do like to, you do like him. I defend. I, I wouldn't I consider myself guy. a Gus fan, but I, I, I defend him more often than not. Well, out of this podcast, I, I think he's a cone on the ice. Um, but out of that, who would you like to, if, if it's him, Dahan, Seth Jones, Caleb Jones, Murphy, McCabe, Galvis, who would you like to see come in? Would you like to see Gus on the outside or not? I think you roll with Galvis. It's just, it makes sense. Give the kids some minutes. It'll only help. And and he, he brings a really good game on the power play. And he's got a really good offensive mind. I, I, th- I don't think there's any reason you don't bring him up. I'm definitely in the same boat as you. I think that Gustafson's just not a fit for Chicago, not a future in Chicago. Um, the only time I think Gustafson should get in the lineup is when Caleb Jones just keeps making those boneheaded plays. Like, I like Caleb Jones. There's a lot of upside to Caleb Jones, I think. I think Caleb Jones can be an NHL defenseman, but he just makes some dumb plays at times, and I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why he does it because he'll play a 98% game, super clean, super nice, look great. But that 2%, he just makes some boneheaded plays, throws the puck in the middle, turns it over, and it costs the Hawks at times. Um, I think that's who Gus should be replacing. I think Galvis should be a, just stay in the lineup if they're going to play a younger guy. Um, but that's just me. Uh, yeah. But yeah, dude. So, otherwise, I, I mean, I think we're pretty good to the end. you have anything else, dude? The, the season's not done. I mean, we're at the halfway point. We haven't even gotten to the trade deadline. There's still so much time for this team to... I'm not hopeful for the playoffs. I know I go on this tangent pretty often on the show. This team is too good to be in the position it's in. Like, we got to be competitive. I think we can be. I think we are. I think we proved it in Edmonton that we can be competitive. They just got to keep it going. I don't know. It's. I definitely um, don't think the season's over, but... Uh, my mindset's definitely more looking into who the GM's going to be, who we're going to sell at the deadline. That's me personally. I don't think this team's a blow-it-up team. I personally would like to see Kane and Taze finish their career here, which means you want to put a competitive team on the ice. That's me. I think you can do it with the right GM. I think there's enough talent in Chicago. I don't necessarily know if we'll ever be a cup contender, while they're here, but be a playoff team and be a team that gets in. Yeah. And I just think that you could start the rebuild this year, or you can start it in three years and get those years of Kane and Taze that you'll never get again. Chief said something very similar on Redline Radio. So shout out Barstool Chief there. Um, but I would have to agree with him as far as that goes. Um, I would just rather see, I mean, at bare minimum, Patrick Kane's day. I know that taste more of the sea and everything, but clearly as the careers progress, Kane has been more of a staple in Chicago, in my opinion. Um, but we can digress away from there because it doesn't matter until they hire anybody as far as the six GMs um, that they've interviewed so far. I personally want Toluski out of there. I'll just make that known. That would be my bet. I think uh, from talking off pod that 
that was your same standpoint. Yeah. Tulewski. Um, but yeah, otherwise, unless you have anything else, I think we're good to go, man. I think we're good to wrap it up. It'll, it should be a good game against that, uh, against St. Louis though. I'm excited. Yeah. St. Louis should definitely be good on Saturday. Um, and well, just a reminder, uh, on Twitter, we're going to do a giveaway at a hundred followers. So make sure you follow the podcast. And again, it's at Q the dagger pod at C U E T A G D A G G E R P O D. Thank you everyone for listening to Q the dagger.